0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door
1: with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR, writer for Cleveland.com, welcoming you in on a big week of podcasts. We're going to touch on a couple important positions this week in the NFL draft, talk about some transactions that have happened this week as well. It's been a pretty big week for the Browns in terms of laying the foundation for where we think they're going to go in the draft. I thought there were a couple of interesting moves. Phillip Gaines re-signed, kept around. I think they trust his quality cornerback depth. Really like the idea of keeping him around. Uh, not as nece- necessarily as a big player on the defense, but certainly as somebody that uh, that Cleveland feels comfortable with keeping there, being a gunner in special team situations, helping out kickoff team, those sorts of things. So, uh, important to keep Philip Gaines. Made sense contract-wise. The Browns also Made it pretty clear that they are challenging right guard Austin Corbett with the decision to not only bring in Eric Kush uh, now, but they are also bringing in the uh, another interior player, Brian Witzman. Uh, you know, Witzman had played most of his career in Kansas City, so another connected player, just like uh, a couple others that have happened. Kush obviously connected with Dorsey in Kansas City. Uh, you know, is, 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 obviously a couple other players have been, you know, John Dorsey's going to bring in guys that he's comfortable with, has made connections with that makes sense. So I would expect for that trend to continue. Uh, so Winsman played, like I said, with Kansas city, 2016, 2017, played with Chicago last year, sort of an underwhelming player was replaced by a guy we're all familiar with in Cam Irving. When Cam went to Kansas city in that trade prior to the 2017 season, you know, he's not a, He's not a great run-blocking player. He's an athlete. He uh, he he did have a nice turnaround pass-block efficiency last year, as Pro Football Focus pointed out. But his career and sort of where he is as a player isn't anywhere near as consistent as Eric Cush, who I think has a leg up, also not nearly as consistent as I think Austin Corbett should be. So, you know, the Browns' situation is sort of interesting in terms of what they're doing. I think they want to bring in players they feel comfortable with should Austin Corbett sort of bombed that position. I don't think he will bomb that position, but, you know, just in case that does happen, they need to have some guys that they can at least trust in the pass game because they feel like they're obviously going to be reliant on throwing the football quite a bit. So they decided to make that uh, acquisition, and this might spell the end of, you know, along with the signing of Kendall Lamb, and you obviously have Desmond Harrison under contract. That's two tackles and two guards, I guess, unless the Browns sort of feel fantastic about any one player. They're really high on an interior player or high in the second round on a tackle, which a tackle could very much be in play. If they love a tackle there at pick 49, Um, you know, that is something that they could do, too. But the Browns go into this season with this offensive line depth that they have here. I, I, I don't know. Uh, What this says, but to me, it kind of hints at the fact that they might just go in with this group they have here. The salary cap seems to be tightening up on them a little bit. They don't want to spend too much more money. They're sort of running over into the salary cap rollover stuff. Doesn't seem like they're going to be overly aggressive. So uh, that's the transactional side of things. Wrote a couple pieces, strong safety names, that I think the Browns will pay attention to. We will talk strong safeties more later this week. Uh, We're going to bring back, uh, you know, one of my... One of my favorite guests, a guy who used to co-host the podcast with me, we'll talk about that later, uh, but th- that is certainly a player that I think that they'll need, so we wrote about that. Then we also wrote about linebacker free agents and depth players who are good as well. So, uh, you know, those are two pieces that we can take a look at. We will be coming at you on the OBR later this week with a study of what Corbett is as an interior offensive lineman and what he can bring based on what we saw in the preseason last year. If you have not been paying attention, it looks like Odell Beckham has arrived in Cleveland, or at least is close to arriving in Cleveland. I would expect that press conference with him and Olivier Vernon to be happening probably sooner rather than later. Tweeted out he's feeling dangerous. That stuff's fun to read. Going to be a really exciting time, and uh, I think it's these last few weeks of, of uh, you know free agency, this last part of the month leading into what is I consider the most exciting time of the year in April, so many great sporting events, NCAA tournament, the Masters, Baseball gets going. You also have, obviously, the NFL draft, which I absolutely love. Movie spectacles happening. The uh, Avengers endgame is happening. Also, if you didn't get a chance, check out Jeff Lowe's uh, end game, uh, mash mashup with the Browns. God, that's that's just going to give you chills. It was a fantastic job. So shout out to Jeff. Um, but no, man, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun time of year. Browns going into, and I should mention Game of Thrones, which I had a fun time talking on Cleveland Browns Daily with those guys about Game of Thrones. That's kicking up April 14th. April's going to be my favorite month of the year. It's going to be awesome for the Browns because we're going to figure out so many of those decisions. They brought in Justin Lane for personal workout. So many of those guys they're looking at. It's going to be a ton of fun. I think you're going to enjoy today's guest. It's going to give us some good linebacker insight. But before we get to linebacker insight, I want to talk to you guys real quick about what's going on at Ethos Life Insurance. I know I've talked to you guys about this before. The last thing you want to talk about is life insurance, but Ethos is here to make it easy. Ethos is a modern life insurance that's super easy super fast, incredibly affordable, very uncomplicated. They're who I use. So go to uh you know ethos.com because there's no medical exam for policies covering under a million dollars, which is really beneficial to those of us strapped for time. No hours of paperwork or meetings with Those annoying, pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply. You can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. The earlier you guys get life insurance, the better, the cheaper the rate you lock in. Having life insurance... Can, you know, if being free from life insurance can eliminate that stress. So getting life insurance shouldn't you know necessarily cause any of that stress. So that's the big point of what Ethos is trying to do. So discover how uncomplicated life insurance could be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote. Submit your complete application in just minutes. So go to ethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S, ethos, com Again, Get com. All right, guys, we're going to shift over to our guest. All right, guys, pretty pumped to bring in uh, a guy I think is perfect for the linebacker position. As you know, we've been going through all these different positions leading up to late April's draft. We're almost flipping the page to April in the last week of March, so making some pretty good headway. Brown and Joe Marino, you guys have to be familiar with his work. If you care about the draft, you're listening to my podcast. He's a senior NFL draft analyst at the Draft Network. They're doing great things at the Draft Network. They just put out a simulator about a month ago, Joe. Am I right on that?
0: Yeah, yep. yeah. about a month ago, yep.
2: Simulator's fantastic, a lot of fun. You can you can pick, obviously, your favorite team. Uh, most of us are picking the Browns. It's a little weird because we don't have a first-round pick for the first time in what seems like age since Brady Quinn, dra- the, the draft post-Brady Quinn trade. So, um, But nonetheless, a lot of fun. You can still see what the Browns can do with their eight picks. So uh, brought Joe in. Joe, how you doing, man?
0: Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, no problem, man. It's, it's, I think it's going to be interesting what the Browns do. I'm not sure how much you've totally studied uh, their roster to an extent, but just the linebacker position between they have Joe Schobert, young good Mike linebacker who came along in Greg Williams' defense, and then they obviously have Christian Kirksey who's coming off a season-ending injury. After that, it gets a little shaky. You have, uh, you know, Janard Avery who they, they played late in the year as sort of a Sam maybe even more will than Sam they played him at the will had him had him obviously take over there for for Kirksey and he just wasn't as ideal in coverage as we would like him to be and then you let go of Jamie Collins this offseason so they haven't signed anybody that's they signed Darius Taylor but he's more special teams based looking at the draft uh, sort of leading into this I think the Browns should take one in one of their first three picks so I'll ask you this first, and we'll kind of get more to the Browns nitty-gritty stuff later. But the big question is sort of who are your – and I ask all of the guys who come on to pick a position here – your top three linebackers in this draft.
0: Yeah, you know, the the top two I think are easy to to get to, and that's Devin White from LSU and Devin Bush from Michigan. I think both of those guys honestly have a good chance of being top ten picks. I think they come into play starting at number five with Tampa Bay – And then there's just landmines throughout the first 10 there. You look at Detroit, you look at uh, Denver there at 10, you know, I think all those spots are very realistic for a linebacker. And then as you get into the teens, I mean, uh, with, with the Bengals and with, um, with the redskins, there's just so many opportunity for those, those linebackers to go early. I feel like they're going to go quick. If they're, if it's not the top 10, it's, it's certainly the top 15. And so, those Devins are certainly the headliners for this year's linebacker class. And then after that, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, there's a big drop-off in my opinion. But I think when you start talking about the next year, Mack Wilson from Alabama comes into play. And I also like Blake Cashman from Minnesota. So if I'm looking for a starter, obviously you'd want to get one of those really high-level guys, Devin Bush, Devin White. But then that next year really brings me to Blake, uh, Blake Cashman from Minnesota and Mack Wilson from Alabama.
2: So Wilson's pro day, interesting stuff. Did did you kind of peg down where you think he is
0: as an athlete based on those numbers? Um, I thought he tested like I thought he would, uh, to be honest. I, I think maybe people thought he was a little slow. I, I never thought he was all that explosive, to be honest with you. I think he has okay speed. And um, his pro day didn't, didn't move the needle for me. It, it pretty much met the, the expectations I was going to have.
2: Yeah, Cashman's another name you mentioned. I, I think people are pretty fascinated with what he's become. I, I, I could be wrong on this, but I think he was a walk-on, right, at, at Minnesota, um, had a really good pro day. So if the Browns are sort of interested in somebody who could be a fringe uh, starter if, if you know, camp breaks the right way and all of that stuff, is Cashman that guy? What do you like about his game?
0: Yeah, I like Cashman a lot. Like you mentioned there, he's a, he was a preferred walk-on, and then within a few years, he's, you know, he's a team captain. And you, know, you can just tell guys like that, the way they play, there's a chip on their shoulders, there's a lot of urgency between the way, you know, with how he plays on the field, and you know, I think uh, he does so many things that you look you're looking for in an NFL linebacker in today's NFL, where it's pace and space, and you really need to have guys that can move and and win in space and cover ground. And, and Cashman gives you that. But what I really like is obviously you get some physicality with him, but like he's a clean processor, and and he's not he's not manipulated very easily by uh, false keys or by running backs that are trying to get him off his spot. You know, he's very patient, but at the same time, he's got a quick trigger. And uh, you know, he really has a lot of urgency about him. So I think the mental side's there and obviously the the athletic ability is everything you could want. So, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that should go on day two and and he'd be a really good consolation prize, you know, if you were if you weren't able to get one of those top tier uh linebackers, Devin Busher, and Devin White.
2: Sort of today, a month out here guessing, do you think Mac Wilson is available? Come pick forty nine or would you think he's gone by that point?
0: You know it's interesting because the the group of linebackers this year is pretty disappointing. You know that that could make a guy like Mac Wilson go a little bit higher, and obviously, you know he's played for Nick Saban in that defense. But I think there's been some concerns with him uh, coming out of the combine with how he fared in the team interview portion, and then you know the thing about Wilson is he he shows you everything you want to see on film. But then there's so much inconsistency, so much up and down with the way that he plays into the line of scrimmage and the way that he processes, way he finishes, way he deals with with blocks, with his coverage assignments. So everything's there at a high level, but you, you just you're just kind of left with with all these moments where he easily kind of reverses your thought process because there, there's some there's just so much inconsistency with his film. And so I think that probably pushes him down a little bit, but at the same time, in a week year, you can see him going a little higher. But I, I think his sweet spots probably in that 50 to 75 range
2: okay good yeah I think that he can be somebody the Browns could work around if they feel that that's the pick and sort of feel that he could immediately start for them and they they have a plan in the third round it at that box safety they're looking for two other guys caught my eye if the Browns are looking coverage I thought Vashawn Joseph might be a better sort of coverage player from that will position to challenge and then another guy if they're looking for somebody into the box sort of can step up take on blocks defeat blocks make plays at the line of scrimmage but still plays quick and can cover a little bit Joe Giles Harris do kid so I mean just of your thoughts on Harris Giles Harris and then uh, on Joseph as well
0: uh, yeah. So Vosan Joseph from Florida, he, you know, if you're talking about a, just a guy that you want to play in coverage, see ball, chase ball type guy. I mean, Vosan Joseph Joseph's going to be really exciting. You watch him against LSU this past year, you saw a first round player. Well, the problem is if you watch more of his game tape, you see a highly inconsistent player. But when you can keep his uh, his play pretty small you know not put a whole lot on his plate don't get him thinking too much if you watch his tape he blitzed a lot had a single task on on any given play he really was able to execute it's when you have to layer different things that he has to filter through and think through and and be in the right positions i think that's where the rails come off but if you can get him as know as in a role as a weak side backer ask him to just chase and be a pursuit style player i think you can get something there out of a Shawn joseph but uh you know his his i mean he's very erratic in terms of uh, being consistent with his reads and finishing and all those types of things. Uh, Joe Giles Harris, excellent game film, excellent game film. I love his ability to play into the line of scrimmage. Might be the best tackler in the class. Uh, he he did some good things defending shallow zones for Duke and one of the most productive linebackers in the ACC over the last two seasons. The problem is he really you know for him I thought his combine testing was going to matter. As much as any prospect, to be honest with you, because if he showed, you know, plus athleticism or even okay athleticism, you can say, okay, this is a Mike linebacker, really instinctive, reads his keys well, finishes physical, plays in the line of scrimmage. But if he doesn't test well, then, you know, then it's, you, you kind of just, you have to understand that there's going to be restrictions with his game. And unfortunately, you know, Giles Harris, he, he, he tested in the 7th percentile for vertical jump 37 percentile for 40 yard dash 17th percentile for broad jump and 13 percentile for bench press I mean he 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 bombed the testing and so it really it makes you you have to go back and say well you know I was hopeful that he he was a little bit more there athletically than what tape indicated but the reality is there's just restrictions and so if you're looking for a player you know you think about three four defenses a lot with like what a team like Kansas City does and they have a player like Reggie Ragland that is really kind of an early down guy that can play into the line of scrimmage. There's a role. But if you're looking for a guy to, to cover space and, uh, and, and you know, really be trusted to to work sideline to sideline and be able to backpedal and those types of things, it's you, just not going to be his role.
2: Yeah, I think that's interesting too. It's, it's the Tate versus testing stuff that gets talked about a lot. Another guy who I think people have sort of pegged as a middle-round steal, but the – but the testing didn't go great was Terrell Hanks, the kid out of New Mexico State. He,
0: he ran in the four eights. Did I read that right? Yeah, so there's, you know, they were saying that he had a hamstring, um, and, and he didn't continue working out that day. But, I mean, I, I watched the run. It didn't seem like anything was wrong with him during the run. Eh? He just tested slow, but I didn't think he was that slow on film. You know, a guy that moved from safety to really kind of an overhang defender. Uh, did a lot of things that we saw, like Fred Warner at BYU last year was a good prospect last year. A lot of, a lot of stuff like Miles Jacks was doing at UCLA, that type of player. I didn't think he was that slow on film, so I, maybe there's some truth to the injury. But I thought he's kind of a reckless player, you know, bowling the china shop, really, really kind of not very uh, gap oriented or, or very solid in his reads. But he he's a really urgent player that uh, that plays with a with a you know, with that motor that you're looking for. And so you know, from a baseline standpoint of, all right, this is a quality depth player. That's going to excel on special teams. And maybe there's some developmental upside. You see it there, but I mean, if he's a four, eight guy, that's, there's not a lot of linebackers playing off ball in the NFL that run that slow.
2: Yeah. That's where it gets extremely interesting with him is, is his tape shows somebody faster than that, but that, yeah, that is, that is not going to play in the NFL. And it's especially not going to play in special teams where he'll need to run and get out in space and make plays, uh, you know, laterally too. So. Uh, just kind of, I I guess what the where I'm at with it is, if the Browns decide early, it's probably somebody like Mac Wilson. If they can't uh, feel good about a linebacker round two, because you said the depth, Joe gets it gets a little dicey. Maybe that round three with Cashman if they can find him there. But if they do decide to sort of punt on it, put it on the back burner, they have three round five picks. Anybody who catches your eye. Uh, Maybe a couple names, maybe three, that just sort of catch your eye and would be good value picks around rounds four, five, six.
0: Well, I I think there's one more consolation prize I think worth mentioning there on day two would be Jermaine Pratt from North Carolina State. He's a guy that um, he played in 2017. He was a sub-package player, a backup, and he moved up from safety to linebacker, and he, he just kept making plays all season long, and then he got a chance to be a starter uh, this past year as a senior, and I thought he really put it all together and had a good season. And, and uh, you know, you think safety convert, you kind of think uh, maybe a smaller guy. No, he's not. He's, he's a big, long dude. No, he's not long. He's a big, thick dude. He's got some actually some length restrictions. But uh, he really is physical and plays in, into the line of scrimmage really, really well, and I think he's got good range, and that safety background really shows up in terms of his coverage. So I think if there's one more guy to mention that's worth talking about for day three type thing, or excuse me, uh, day two consolation prize, Jermaine Pratt from NC State certainly fits the bill. Uh, when we talk about day three and maybe some some guys that have some upside that are that that are interesting. Uh, I like Drew Truel from Notre Dame. If he didn't have the injury history that he does, we you know I think we'd be talking about him as a day two guy. But I uh, thought he was really good at the Senior Bowl. Uh, love the way he moves. Uh, really good space player, which is important. Um, but uh, you know the injury history kind of puts pushes him down the board just a little bit. Uh Ben Burkirvin from Washington, I, I recently did his film. Um uh, there's some restrictions there in terms of size and, and play strength, but kind of like we were talking about with uh, Voshan Joseph, if you can get him in sea C-ball, chase ball role, pursuit style role, you know, I think he's gonna give you a lot of value. He's a very urgent football player. Um and um you know, look, there's restrictions. We're talking about a day three player, but I think he'll give you quality special teams ability, and and he can win in space. If you're looking for a nickelbacker or somebody like that that's going to come in, and there's a threat that they can run the ball and still give you a guy that can play downhill a little bit. You know, I think you'd be happy with with a guy like uh, Ben Burkervin from Washington. Uh, lastly, I'd probably mention uh, David Long from West Virginia. A um, little bit, little bit smaller player, uh, but I, I think he's instinctive. I think he sees the field well. I think he's got some physicality about him, the way that he can he can shoot downhill and, and fill gaps and those types of things. But also, there's some some upside there in space. So uh, that's that's kind of the three that I feel best about if I'm saying, hey, day three, a guy that really gives you a chance to fill some type of role, give you some value, and a guy that's rosterable that can make the team and challenge the depth of the roster at least. I think those are the three guys that I probably get most excited about. Yeah, Ben
2: Burke-Kirvin's interesting, man. Tons of tackles. What do you have? Like one seventy six
0: total. <laughs> Something silly, right? Yeah, and he did good to dislodge the football. I think he had six force fumbles as well. So, I mean, uh, you, you like that. I mean, the thing about him, I'll say this is, not a lot of those tackles came near the line of scrimmage. He's kind of a yeah. cleanup tackler. So, there's that piece of it. But he's, you know, he he's he's a lot. I mean, he's probably the 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 C plus or B minus version of Blake Cashman.
2: Yeah, I kind of thought that Tranquil could, could along with Burke Irving, could kind of be that alley player on a defense. If you need yes. somebody sort of to be that box safety and you don't necessarily want to bank on them in coverage all too much, except for maybe running up a hash and covering curl flat in, uh, in some cover three looks, I thought those two might be enticing in that role.
0: Yeah, and I, I like what you're saying. There's, you know, look, I think we'd love for everyone to be Devin Bush or Devin White and be able to do everything that you're looking for out of a linebacker. But those are top-tier prospects, and that's just not always the case. And so, finding what a player can do and how they can fill uh, a role and help your defense, you know, there's, there's, there's those types of players, and they have they have places as well. There's just restrictions like we've talked about with a lot of these guys. But yeah, if you're looking for the, like you said, their force player, overhang alley defender. Hook, curl, yeah, there's there's guys that can do that niche type stuff. And then, you know, obviously they're going to need to play special teams and really provide value in other areas. But, you know, it's it's not about finding guys that can do everything. It's about finding what guys can do and putting them in positions to succeed. Yeah, what, that's why the Patriots have been so successful for so long. They've done that better than anyone else. And the more that teams can embrace that and get the most out of their roster by putting them in the right positions, you know, the better they're going to be.
2: Yeah, that's a fantastic point, especially with the Browns and considering what they have with Jannard Avery, a guy pushing him toward a guy that goes forward instead of a guy that retreats. So I'm yep. with you on that. It'll be interesting. Those are some good names for you guys. If you haven't looked up or studied any of those names yourself, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, Joe just dropped a good nugget there on some guys in the late round. So Also, Joe hosts the uh, At Lockdown Browns uh podcast or sorry, Bills. My bad. Jeez, gosh. Bills, sorry, yeah. sorry to my man uh Jeff Lloyd for that one. Yeah, so locked on Bills host, uh does great work. The Browns actually play the Bills this year, so that's exciting. We get to see Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen go head to head. Um pick nine, right? So who do you have
0: your eye on for the Bills there at pick nine? You know, the more I think about it, and the Bills have been extremely aggressive in free agency to attack needs on offense which everybody knew they needed and and that's why I think that this is setting up to be a defensive pick where the Bills outside of Jerry Hughes on the defensive line they've got a some, you know they've got fine players but who are the playmakers outside of Jerry Hughes up front and so I think The Bills would love to get a playmaking defensive tackle or edge rusher. I know they're going to love Christian Wilkins from Clemson. Ed Oliver seems to be a possibility. Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. So uh, if you said narrow it down to three players, I think those are the three that would be most likely the picks right now as I see it at number nine.
2: I couldn't think of a more perfect Bills fit than Wilkins, just the type of guy he is, all that stuff. It makes a lot of sense. But, you know, Oliver's just general – Uh, you know, potential ability, all that stuff will be, be tough to pass up. I'm fascinated by it. I've, I've always paid close attention to the bills, So um, we'll, we'll see. And we'll certainly see when we get to play you guys and we'll probably reconnect at that point later in the year. But Joe, thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming on taking some time out of your hectic Sunday schedule, buddy.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem at all, man. Yeah, guys, this is uh, you know podcast one of two. We'll come back later this week, uh, talk about defensive backs as we plug along, getting ready for the draft. Uh, if you guys have any questions, shoot them at the at Browns DBN. Uh, you know, handle. We'll be able to help out with any of those questions. Those always help. We get them on the podcast. Like I said, we'll have one more later this week. We appreciate you guys listening. iTunes ratings reviews always appreciated. Big shout out to Joe again. Uh, Draft Network guys, if you can get on Draft Network, read their stuff. You're going to be a smarter football fan for it. Their simulators a ton of fun. Can't encourage you to do that enough if the draft is one of your favorite times of year. And most Cleveland fans, it traditionally has been our favorite time of year. So get on there, jump on there read Joe's work, and uh, you know, take the simulator and see what you can come up with for the Browns and their eight picks. So we'll catch you guys later this week. And uh, as usual, go Browns.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns.
2: Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.
1: Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement.